Hello and welcome to Cannabis Grand Rounds, a production by physicians with advanced degrees in cannabis medicine. Your hosts, Dr. Lee Van Oker, Dr. Les Matthews, and Dr. Hal Altman, will offer unbiased medical cannabis education for healthcare providers and the motivated public. Our content is selected with the objective to fully explore cannabis as science and medicine and pledges to reflect current cannabis knowledge with no hidden agenda nor sponsorships. Hello and welcome back to Cannabis Grand Rounds. My name is Dr. Hal Altman and joining me this morning is Dr. Lee Vinicor, who will be uh, helping us talk about some of the science of cannabinoids. We, in past podcasts, we have examined the endocannabinoid system, or ECS, in an effort to have a basis for understanding the effects of cannabinoids. Uh, And today, we intend to take a deeper dive into the science, understanding that our audience uh, is from varied backgrounds and may or may not have the basics of pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics, and uh, in particular, the endocannabinoid system. So to that end, Dr. Vinicor is going to help us to better understand uh, receptors uh, CB1 and CB2, uh, take a closer look at the pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics of both THC and CBD, the major phytocannabinoids um, that have been studied so far, and then also take a look at the downstream effects of stimulation uh, at the various receptors uh, and how that uh, affects the overarching uh, function of the ECS, which is uh, homeostasis. So with that overview, uh, I'd like to welcome our partner, Dr. Lee Vinicor. Lee is an allopathic physician who has had an interest in cannabis and its uh, potential for medicine for a number of years uh, and is a recent graduate of the inaugural uh, class of the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy, Medical Cannabis Science and Therapeutics. Welcome, Lee. Thanks, Hal. It's great to be with you again. So let's start with some of the basics. We uh, are probably, clinicians in particular, are probably a little less versed on uh, what pharmacodynamics and pharmacokinetics are than, than our colleagues in the pharmacist world. So can you explain the difference between those and uh, why it may be important for our understanding? Yeah, absolutely. And it is true. It's been a long time since we've been to medical school, Hal. <laughs> Too long to admit. Um, and we took our pharmacology courses. So it was a good refresher when we were in school, in the School of Pharmacy, studying medical cannabis. But, um, you know, with any medicine, you really need to understand pharmacokinetics, known as PK, and pharmacodynamics, known as PD, and how drugs are metabolized to really understand the clinical indications and how they work. So, you know, when a drug is introduced into the body, pharmacokinetics determines what the body does to the drug. And the, the converse, sort of, the effect that the drug has on our body is known as pharmaco 
dynamics. And that's essentially what the drug does to our body. So when you look at the pharmacokinetics, it's kind of the science of drug absorption, how it gets distributed through the body, how we metabolize it, and how we eliminate it. And those are good predictors, like the pharmacokinetics, the PK, kind of determine what the pharmacodynamic effects um, are and how fast they'll happen. So especially with cannabis, uh, it's important to know these um, when we're advising patients to take it, especially as a medicine. And as I think we've learned, uh, the PK profile of the different formulations uh, really does have an impact on onset of action. Uh, and in some cases, um, the uh, PD affects themselves. So thanks for that overview. Uh, and I, what I'd like to do is spend the next few minutes uh, talking about pharmacodynamics of the two major phytocannabinoids that are in um, cannabis, those being THC and CBD. Can you comment uh, on uh, those cannabinoids and maybe uh, some of the others that are related? Yeah, well, it is interesting, Helen. What makes it challenging as a medicine and as we're learning more is that there's actually over 100 cannabinoids in the plant, 500 other compounds that down the road we'll be talking about terpenes and flavonoids. Um, but THC and CBD are probably the best studied. Now, keep in mind that, you know, when we talked about the history of cannabis, we talked about, even in the U.S., centuries of it being used as a medicine in the 1800s. But we didn't even know what the active ingredient was in cannabis, mainly THC, until it was discovered and isolated in 1964 by the Israeli chemist Raphael Meshulam, sort of the father of cannabis, as people call him. And that's when that was initially isolated. So, you know, it took years and years um, to even figure out what was causing the effect when cannabis was used as a drug. And interestingly, CBD initially was kind of thought of as an inert compound. But in the 1990s, when we discovered the endocannabinoid system and its CB1 and CB2 receptors, which by the way, also was discovered by Raphael Meshulam's group, they started to realize that it was active. And now there's a lot more research going on with um, CBD now, too. So if I understand correctly, the term cannabinoid really relates to the chemical structure uh, of, as you mentioned, uh, over 100 different uh, substances within the plant, so that they all share a similar chemical structure, but they have different receptor sites and therefore uh, produce different actions. So to that end, and realizing that the cannabinoids that are most familiar to us are THC and CBD, can you talk a little bit about their, their role, if you will, uh, in the ECS? Yes. So starting with THC, which is delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, it is the main psychoactive cannabinoid. And um, what's interesting is over the years, it's been getting stronger and stronger, higher levels. Most plants today have anywhere from 2% to as high as 30% of THC. The other interesting thing that you need to know when you think about the pharmacology of THC 
is that it's lipophilic, which means fat loving, okay? So that means very soluble in fat. And that's what makes it able to readily cross the blood-brain barrier. We have a lot, as I'm sure you talked about it in the podcast on the endocannabinoid system, both CB1 and CB2 receptors are very redundant all through our body and very promiscuous, meaning a lot of different things can attach to the receptors. And in the brain specifically, um, we seem to have a predominance of the CB1 receptors. And in the periphery and the immune system, there seems to be more CB2 uh, receptors. But I say predominant because the heart will have some CB1 receptors, and we can talk about that later. But basically, THC or delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol is considered a CB1 agonist in the central nervous system and other places that CB1 is, receptors exist, and it's also a CB2 agonist. And these receptors are considered G protein receptors. So to get into the nitty gritty, you know, they inhibit ATP and cyclic AMP. They change the potassium and sodium and calcium ion channels. But all of this is done just the way our internal cannabinoids do. These are phytocannabinoids, but they act at these receptors very similar and affect the following neurotransmitters that we know we have in the brain. So that's the glutamate, dopamine, the serotonin transmitters, which are called 5-HT, adrenaline, GABA, and acetylcholine. So CB1 receptors in the central nervous system have a high density in the neocortex, the basal ganglia, the hypothalamus, the hippocampus, the nucleum, accumbens and the cerebellum. And that, as we talk about how the effects are, you know, you think of the cerebellum, that's sometimes the ataxia that you can sometimes see with too much THC. So those regions in the brain actually also account for the differing um, pharmacodynamic effects. But one thing that's very uh, fortunate is unlike opioid receptors where there's a high concentration of them in the brain stem and how we know that you know an overdose of opioids this area of the brain stem affects breathing and heart rate it's called the pre-botzinger complex but cannabis on the other hand has hardly any CB1 receptors in that area. So a fatal overdose of cannabis is practically non-existent. I say practically because early on when a lot of the research uh, was funded by NIDA to show harm, they did do studies. You know what LD50s are when they test drugs. They do these LD50 studies, which they take a group of animals, rats, and they see what's the median lethal dose that'll kill 50% of the animals. And they did do these studies with cannabis, but it was so not realistic in humans. It would be, for an average 72-kilogram uh, man, it would be like almost 100,000 milligrams of THC required to do that. So so it is very, very safe. And there are not a lot of those receptors in that brainstem area. And so just to clarify, um, we have never had a report of a lethal dose of uh, cannabis. It would probably take a, a trailer truck to get you enough of the product to be able to, to get to that LD for us. But there, and we'll talk about this in the future, there are synthetic cannabinoids 
that are uh, much more efficacious at CB1 produce much higher agonism. And uh, there have been certainly serious medical consequences and even deaths attributed to that class of, of drug. Yeah, those are the illicit, the illicit synthetic cannabinoids. Yes, absolutely, yes, and I'm sure we'll do a podcast on that, right? Excellent. Well, Lee, that's a great introduction to the pharmacodynamics of uh, THC. When we come back, we'll start to take a look at some of the specific effects that THC uh, have, both in the CNS as well as the periphery. I want to thank you for uh, all your excellent commentary, and uh, we welcome our listeners back to our next podcast. Have a good day. All information, material, and content on this podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for professional and or medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment by a qualified physician or healthcare provider. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. The use of this information and any materials linked to this podcast is at the user's own risk. Cannabis Grand Rounds LLC does not offer personal health or medical advice. If you have a medical emergency, call your doctor or call 911 immediately.